0: Section 25 of the works of Edgar Allan Poe Raven edition volume 3 This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org the works of Edgar Allan Poe Raven edition volume 3 by Edgar Allan Poe chapter 25 We now found ourselves in the wide and desolate Antarctic Ocean, in a latitude exceeding eighty-four degrees, in a frail canoe, and with no provision but the three turtles. The long polar winter, too, could not be considered as far distant, and it became necessary that we should deliberate well upon the course to be pursued. There were six or seven islands in sight, belonging to the same group, and distant from each other about five or six leagues but upon neither of these had we any intention to venture. In coming from the northward in the Jane Guy, we had been gradually leaving behind us the severest regions of ice. This, however, little it may be in accordance with the generally received notions respecting the Antarctic, was a fact experience would not permit us to deny. To attempt, therefore, getting back would be folly, especially at so late a period of the season only one course seemed to be left open for hope we resolved to steer boldly to the southward where there was at least a probability of discovering other lands and more than a probability of finding a still milder climate so far we had found the antarctic like the arctic ocean peculiarly free from violent storms or immoderately rough water but our canoe was at best a frail structure, although large, and we set busily to work with a view of rendering her as safe as the limited means in our possession would admit. The body of the boat was of no better material than bark, the bark of a tree unknown. The ribs were of a tough osier, well adapted to the purpose for which it was used. We had fifty feet room from stem to stern, from four to six in breadth, and in depth throughout four feet and a half the boats thus differing vastly in shape from those of any other inhabitants of the Southern Ocean with whom civilized nations are acquainted. We never did believe them the workmanship of the ignorant islanders who owned them, and some days after this period discovered by questioning our captive that they were in fact made by the natives of a group to the southwest of the country where we found them, having fallen accidentally into the hands of our barbarians what we could do for the security of our boat was very little indeed several wide rents were discovered near both ends and this we contrived to patch up with pieces of woolen jacket with the help of the superfluous paddles of which there were a great many we erected a kind of framework about the bow so as to break the force of any seas which might threaten to fill us in that quarter we also set up two paddle-blades for masts placing them opposite each other one by each gunwale thus saving the necessity of a yard to these masts we attached a sail made of our shirts doing this with some difficulty as here we could get no assistance from our prisoner whatever although he had been willing enough to labor in all the other operations the sight of the linen seemed to affect him in a very singular manner he could not be prevailed upon to touch it or go near it shuddering when we attempted to force him and shrieking out having completed our arrangements in regard to the security of the canoe we now set sail to the south-southeast for the present with a view of weathering the most southerly of the group in sight this being done we turned the bow full to the southward the weather could by no means be considered disagreeable we had a prevailing and very gentle wind from the northward a smooth sea and continual daylight no ice whatever was to be seen nor did i ever see one particle of this after leaving the parallel of bennett's islet indeed the temperature of the water was here far too warm for its existence in any quantity having killed the largest of our tortoises and obtained from him not only food but a copious supply of water we continued on our course without any incident or moment for perhaps seven or eight days during which period we must have proceeded a vast distance to the southward as the wind blew constantly with us and a very strong current set continually in the direction we were pursuing march first many unusual phenomena now indicated that we were entering upon a region of novelty and wonder a high range of light gray vapor appeared constantly in the southern horizon flaring up occasionally in lofty streaks now darting from east to west, now from west to east, and again presenting a level and uniform summit, in short, having all the wild variations of the aurora borealis. The average height of this vapor, as apparent from our station, was about 25 degrees. The temperature of the sea seemed to be increasing momentarily, and there was a very perceptible alteration in its color. March 2nd today by repeated questioning of our captive we came to the knowledge of many particulars in regard to the island of the massacre its inhabitants and customs but with these how can i now detain the reader i may say however that we learned there were eight islands in the group that they were governed by a common king named salomon or solomon who resided in one of the smallest of the islands that the black skins forming the dress of the warriors came from an animal of huge size to be found only in a valley near the court of the king that the inhabitants of the group fabricated no other boats than the flat bottomed rafts the four canoes being all of the kind in their possession and these having been obtained by mere accident from some large island in the southwest that his own name was nunu that he had no knowledge of bennett's islet and that the appellation of the island he had left was Salal. the commencement of the words solomon and "tsalal" was given with a prolonged hissing sound which we found it impossible to imitate even after repeated endeavours and which was precisely the same with the note of the black bittern we had eaten upon the summit of the hill march third the heat of the water was now truly remarkable and in color was undergoing a rapid change being no longer transparent but of a milky consistency and hue in our immediate vicinity it was usually smooth never so rough as to endanger the canoe but we were frequently surprised at perceiving to our right and left at different distances sudden and extensive agitations of the surface these we at length noticed were always preceded by wild flickerings in the region of vapour to the southward march fourth to-day with a view of widening our sail the breeze from the northward dying away perceptibly i took from my coat pocket a white handkerchief nunu was seated at my elbow and the linen accidentally flaring in his face he became violently affected with convulsions these were succeeded by drowsiness and stupor and low murmurings of tekelili tekelili march fifth the wind had entirely ceased but it was evident that we were still hurrying on to the southward under the influence of a powerful current and now indeed it would seem reasonable that we should experience some alarm at the turn events were taking but we felt none the continents of peters indicating nothing of this nature although it wore at times an expression i could not fathom the polar winter appeared to be coming on but coming without its terrors i felt a numbness of body and mind a dreaminess of sensation but this was all march sixth the gray vapor had now arisen many more degrees above the horizon and was gradually losing its grayness of tint the heat of the water was extreme even unpleasant to the touch and its milky hue was more evident than ever to-day a violent agitation of the water occurred very close to the canoe it was attended as usual with a wild flaring up of the vapor at its summit and a momentary division at its base a fine white powder resembling ashes but certainly not such fell over the canoe and over a large surface of the water as the flickering died away among the vapor And the commotion subsided in the sea nunu now threw himself on his face in the bottom of the boat and no persuasions could induce him to arise march seventh this day we questioned nunu concerning the motives of his countrymen in destroying our companions but he appeared to be too utterly overcome by terror to afford us any rational reply he still obstinately lay in the bottom of the boat and upon reiterating the questions as to the motive made use only of idiotic gesticulations such as raising with his forefinger the upper lip and displaying the teeth which lay beneath it these were black we had never before seen the teeth of an inhabitant of tsalal march eighth today there floated by us one of the white animals whose appearance on the beach at tsalal had occasioned so wild a commotion among the savages i would have picked it up but there came over me a sudden listlessness and i forbore The heat of the water still increased, and the hand could no longer be endured within it. Peters spoke little, and I knew not what to think of his apathy. Nunu breathed, and nothing more. March 9th. The whole ashy material fell now continually around us and in vast quantities. The range of vapor to the southward had arisen prodigiously in the horizon, and began to assume more distinctness of form i can liken it to nothing but a limitless cataract rolling silently into the sea from some immense and far-distant rampart in the heaven the gigantic curtain ranged along the whole extent of the southern horizon it emitted no sound march twenty first a sullen darkness now hovered above us but from out the milky depths of the ocean a luminous glare arose and stole up along the bulwarks of the boat we were nearly overwhelmed by the white ashy shower which settled upon us and upon the canoe but melted into the water as it fell the summit of the cataract was utterly lost in the dimness and the distance yet we were evidently approaching it with a hideous velocity at intervals there were visible in it wide yawning but momentary rents and from out these rents, within which was a chaos of flitting and indistinct images, there came rushing and mighty but soundless winds, tearing up the enkindled ocean in their course. March 22nd. The darkness had materially increased, relieved only by the glare of the water thrown back from the white curtain before us. Many gigantic and pallidly white birds flew continuously now from beyond the veil. And their scream was the eternal Tekalili, as they retreated from our vision. Hereupon Nunu stirred in the bottom of the boat, but upon touching him we found his spirit departed. And now we rushed into the embraces of the cataract, where a chasm threw itself open to receive us. But there arose in our pathway a shrouded human figure, very far larger in its proportions than any dweller among men. And the hue of the skin of the figure was of the perfect whiteness of the snow Note The circumstances connected with the late sudden and distressing death of mr. Pym Are already well known to the public through the medium of the daily press? It is feared that the few remaining chapters which were to have completed his narrative and which were retained by him while the above were in type for the purpose of revision have been irrecoverably lost through the accident by which he perished himself this however may prove not to be the case and the papers if ultimately found will be given to the public no means have been left untried to remedy the deficiency the gentleman whose name is mentioned in the preface and who from the statement there made might be supposed able to fill the vacuum has declined the task this for satisfactory reasons connected with the general inaccuracy of the details afforded him and his disbelief in the entire truth of the latter portions of the narration peters from whom some information might be expected is still alive and a resident of illinois but cannot be met with at present he may hereafter be found and will no doubt afford material for a conclusion of mr pym's account the loss of two or three final chapters for there were but two or three is the more deeply to be regretted as it cannot be doubted they contain matter relative to the pole itself or at least two regions in its very near proximity and as to the statements of the author in relation to these regions may shortly be verified or contradicted by means of the governmental expedition now preparing for the southern ocean on one point in the narrative some remarks may well be offered and it would afford the writer of this appendix much pleasure if what he may here observe should have a tendency to throw credit in any degree upon the very singular pages now published, we allude to the chasms found in the island of Tsalal, and to the whole of the figures upon pages two hundred forty five to forty seven of the printed edition. Note no figures were included with this text mr pym has given the figures of the chasms without comment and speaks decidedly of the indentures found at the extremity of the most easterly of these chasms as having but a fanciful resemblance to alphabetical characters and in short as being positively not such this assertion is made in a manner so simple and sustained by a species of demonstration so conclusive In other words the fitting of the projections of the fragments found among the dust into the indentures upon the wall that we are forced to believe the writer in earnest and no reasonable reader should suppose otherwise but as the facts in relation to all the figures are most singular especially when taken in connection with statements made in the body of the narrative it may be as well to say a word or two concerning them all this too the more especially as the facts in question have beyond doubt escaped the attention of mr poe figure one then figure two figure three and figure five when conjoined with one another in the precise order which the chasms themselves presented and when deprived of the small lateral branches or arches which it will be remembered served only as a means of communications between the main chambers and were of totally distinct character constitute an ethiopian verbal root the root to be shady whence all the inflections of shadow or darkness in regard to the left or most northwardly of the indentures in figure four it is more than probable that the opinion of peters was correct and that the hieroglyphical appearance was really the work of art and intended as the representation of a human form the delineation is before the reader and he may or may not perceive the resemblance suggested but the rest of the indentures afford strong confirmation of peter's idea the upper range is evidently the arabic verbal root to be white whence all the inflections of brilliancy and whiteness the lower range is not so immediately perspicuous the characters are somewhat broken and disjointed nevertheless it cannot be doubted that in their perfect state they form the full egyptian word the region of the south it should be observed that these interpretations confirm the opinion of peters in regard to the most northwardly of the figures the arm is outstretched toward the south conclusions such as these open a wide field for speculation and exciting conjecture they should be regarded perhaps in connection with some of the most faintly detailed incidents of the narrative although in no visible manner is this chain of connection complete was the cry of the affrighted natives of tsalal upon discovering the carcass of the white animal picked up at sea this also was the shuddering exclamatives of tsalal upon discovering the carcass of the white materials in possession of mr pym this also was the shriek of the swift flying white and gigantic birds which issued from the vapory white curtain of the south nothing white was to be found at tsalal and nothing otherwise in the subsequent voyage to the region beyond it is not impossible that tsalal the appellation of the island of the chasms may be found upon minute philological scrutiny to betray either some alliance with the chasms themselves or some reference to the ethiopian characters so mysteriously written in their windings i have graven it within the hills and my vengeance upon the dust within the rock. End of section 25